0: 9719. And now here's your host, Kevin Conover.
1: Bring your time. Welcome to Educate bring for Life. Your I'm your host, Kevin Conover. My website's educateforlife.org. And uh, your if you're listening today, welcome Don't to you know. our program here. We're streaming on Facebook and we're in Southern California on 12: 1210 a.m. You are probably um, have been influenced by the all that's happening with the coronavirus. Um, I was actually at a meeting this morning at my school. And I felt like I was in some sort of apocalyptic fantasy book or something. It was just bizarre. Um, first, it started out. Uh, I got a notice that all athletics were going to be um, in, in our school. All competitions were going to ha- required not to have any fans. So all the the athletes had to compete with no fans. And we also were told that the band, which was going to perform, and and the the drama, um, which was going to be performed, wasn't allowed to have any guests at the the event. So everybody had to perform by themselves. And uh, I heard that uh, Jimmy Kimmel last night was trying to tell jokes with no audience and couldn't even tell if his jokes were funny too, which is interesting. And then after that, I found out, I got another uh, phone call or text basically saying, um, we've now decided that no athletics, the city conference has said no athletics at all. And so they shut down the athletics. This is all within about an hour time frame. And then a little bit later, I get another text which says um, uh, San Diego City Schools are now closed. Then another one, uh, El Cajon uh, School District has now closed. Grossmont District has now closed. And we were starting out the day, I was discussing with our principal whether we were considering uh, what we would do if we had to close our school. And by the end of the day, here we are, actually before the end of the day, by noon, um, it was uh, not what would we do, but what are we going to do. And so... We had to put a whole plan in place for online schooling now. Uh, Pretty incredible. And, uh, you know, if you are somebody who likes fantasy books, um, there has been an explosion in the amount of fantasy uh, fiction books that have come out, Uh, you know, whether it's apocalyptic or not. um, All kinds of books out there. I'm an avid reader. It's not something I talk about on the air very often, but I love reading fantasy fiction. Ever since I was a kid, I've read, uh, you know, starting out with books like... um, Piercing the darkness with Frank Peretti and and uh, this present darkness uh, all the way up to present day, I still read uh, fantasy fiction books. And so I was really excited when a a uh, young man that I uh, knew from being a youth pastor uh, contacted me, um, and his name's Wesley Falkerson. Um, Wes, uh, let me tell them a little bit about you before I, I have you on here, but I brag on you a little bit. He's the author of eleven books. Uh, He's written a book called Writing with Purpose, a step-by-step guide to producing your best book. He works in film as a screenwriter. He's written an award-winning documentary, Save My Seal, with Jubilee Media. He teaches regularly at San Diego Writers Inc. in Point Loma. He reads also all the time, right? Uh, what are some of your favorite books, Wes?
2: I love The Once and Future King by T.H. White, okay. Lord of the Rings, most of what C.S. Lewis wrote.
1: Uh-huh. You don't like some of C.S. Lewis' stuff? <laughs> no, <laughs> no I'm just i mean kidding. most of it ranks towards the top. Hey, hey. <laughs> so uh that's awesome that's great so um wes falkerson, thanks for being on the show today. His wife's here in studio also um so she might ch- chime in once in a while if here we'll we'll see yeah, off screen, yeah. <laughs> she's she'll coach him on his uh his uh radio uh discussion here but uh so wes uh, take us back to when you were a kid um you're coming out with a new novel here yeah uh it comes out in four days, and um but before we get to that, take us back to when you were a kid. What got you interested in reading, and, and how did you become somebody who wanted to write and, and was reading so much?
2: Well, let me take you way back. It really is a, an inspiring story. Um, I was born naked without a penny, not speaking a word of English. And, <laughs> and uh, with no teeth. And with no teeth. <laughs> Look at me now. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> sorry, going back to childhood.
1: He's a comedian, too, here.
2: Yeah. Uh, you know, I think that my mother brainwashed me. Oh yeah, um, she would you know instead of stuffed animals, she would literally buy like plush stuffed books. Oh, that's great! <laughs> you a know, trick. from the time I was an infant, give those to us to yeah. to cuddle, and that was her whole big thing as a mother. These children will love to read. Yeah. So, um, yeah, she brainwashed us when we were good. We got a book.
1: That was know, a good. Was, that was a good brainwashing, right? Yeah, there. Though, hey, right? Yeah. Hey, I'm happy about yeah. it. Yeah, that's great.
2: Um, but it it just was always a part of uh, the lives of my brothers and I growing up. It's uh-huh. just what we did. It's what was encouraged, and so we found. What we loved, I loved the Hardy Boys from a really young age. Oh, yeah, okay, yeah. Um, got into Tolkien pretty young.
1: Mm-hmm. Did um, you ever read uh, Choose Your Own Adventure?
2: Yeah. Yeah? <laughs> yeah. It's kind of like the Oregon Trail in yeah. that you die instantly. Yeah. All the time <laughs> of many different things. <laughs> that's right. Including distance.
1: Uh, so that's great. So, um, so you're coming out with this new book here and uh, super exciting. And um, tell us about the book. That uh, you just, I mean, your, your tagline is really cool. The world is blind, then one boy is born with sight. And uh, the title, For Whom the Sun Sings, um, is the title of the book. And uh, coming, coming out, Enclave Publishing, right? So uh, give us some, tell us about the book.
2: Absolutely. I'm really excited about this one. Um, it's a book that I poured a lot of my heart into. Uh, the dedication of the book is to anyone who's ever felt alone in knowing the truth. And. That really is the place that this comes out of. Um, I think, especially you know, as Christians, that can be something that, that you and I often feel. It's it's this idea of I have something that you can't understand until you experience it. And so, to someone who has not experienced it, how do I tell them you want to? Yeah. You know um, how how do you how do you experience this thing that that you don't even believe exists? Um, And so that can go to a bunch of different areas. I think a lot of different people can relate to that feeling, um, you know, just that the world is taking crazy pills and you feel like you're the only sane one, Mm. you know, and and the book really came out And
1: that really speaks to where we're at right now, right? Completely. Yeah. (laughs) The coronavirus, I'm kind of (laughs) like, we have no toilet paper. I just found out that that they're selling out of bidets on Amazon (laughs) and- I'm like it thinking to myself, about right. which is worse, the coronavirus or the response to the coronavirus? Right? I thought you
2: were going to say the coronavirus or having to use a bidet. Oh, yeah. But, um,
1: I've never used one, but I don't know. It looks like that might be right around the corner.
2: Yeah, That's <laughs> under the corner. Um, I'm sorry. I <laughs> well, shouldn't have said that. Boy, okay. Lord, help me. Um, Got to love live radio. Yeah. Um, yeah, there's no, no editing but, uh, here taking place. So. Okay, well, fair enough. I apologize. <laughs> No, uh, I tell you what, though. It's, uh, I feel a little odd about writing a book that takes place in the aftermath of a worldwide disease that wipes out the population. So kind of funny that we're promoting this book right now.
1: Yeah, yeah. So I'm not, I'm, we're not making light of the coronavirus, but at the same yeah, time,
2: yeah. Um, it is
1: interesting. It's an interesting theme.
2: Yeah, totally.
1: That uh, the story is really about a boy who has sight when everybody else is blind, right? Yeah. So, um, I, I mean, that's a really unique uh, plot right there. That's not something that uh, I just find that really interesting and and actually really compelling. Yeah. Um, when I first read what you wrote about it, it reminded me of this quote from C.S. Lewis. Uh, mm. He's talking about um, morality, and so he's actually referencing when he became a Christian. And he says here, if the whole universe has no meaning, we should never have found out that it has no meaning. Mm. And he's talking about that we believe the universe has meaning. Right in light of God uh, and the purpose that he's given us. But if there was no meaning, we would never have considered meaning at all, is what he's saying. And then he goes on to say, just as if there were no light in the universe and therefore no creatures with eyes, we should never have known it was dark. Mm. Dark would be without meaning. Yeah. And um, I can't imagine how difficult it would be to write from the perspective of a community that has no knowledge of sight. It was odd. That seems uh, incredibly difficult. It, my, it,
2: it was sort of difficult. Okay. Um,
1: well, I'm going to let you tell our audience oh, about sure. that. We're coming up on a quick break here, but um, my guest is Wesley Falkerson. And uh, Wes, when you, if somebody wants to get this book, it's not out yet, comes out March, where do they go uh, if they want to get the book?
2: Amazon to pre-orders okay. uh, is the best place for now.
1: Okay, great. Okay, we'll be right back. Stay with us. We're going to continue this discussion about A community that has no experience with sight. What would that be like? Stay with us. We'll be right back.
0: If you need to buy an affordable, reliable used car, truck, or even an enclosed trailer, call Conover Tires Wheels and Service in Oceanside. For tires and car repairs you can trust, call Dan Conover and his team at 760-439-1631. Honesty, integrity, and quality service. They're ASE, BBB, and NAPA certified. And they're proud supporters of Educate for Life. Learn more at ConoverTires.com. Check out their great reviews, 760-439-1631. How can you live in San Diego and miss out on enjoying the water? Fast Lane Kayaking sells popular Hobie Cat kayaks that you pedal, not paddle. That means your hands are left free for fishing and fun. They're light and they're easy to use and maintain. Just rinse them off. Try one free on a demo ride. For 36 years, Ron and Debbie Lane have served San Diego with fun, family-friendly water sports of all kinds. Learn more FastLaneSailing.com. 619-222-0760.
1: Thanks for being with us today. This is Educate for Life. I'm your host, Kevin Conover. My website's educateforlife.org. You can pick up a live recording of the program there. Um, you can also find us on Facebook, on uh, my personal page, as well as our Educate for Life page. We're on YouTube, too, and we've got all kinds of amazing interviews um, on there. I've got uh, Natasha Crane is going to be on our program in a few days, uh, in a few weeks, uh, talking about her new book, which is How to Talk to Your Kids About Jesus, so a fantastic book. My my um, website is dedicated to helping uh, people have a strong faith in the Lord Jesus and the Bible, so it's helping people become confident about their Christianity. Check it out. There's all kinds of uh, classes up there, over 40 different classes that you can take on uh, answering the hard questions that people have. And our show today is with another author, Wesley Fulkerson, and uh, he just recently uh, wrote a book, and it's specifically, his book is dealing uh, with the idea that there's a community that has no experience with sight. Um, And then uh, what happens that throws everything, uh, you know, kind of throws everything for a loop there in their community, uh,
2: Wes? Yeah, well, as you said, uh, this community doesn't even know that sight is a concept. (laughs) And after, you know, 100 years of this, uh, there's a boy named Andrews who's born. He's able to see. And it's interesting because he doesn't know how to put a name to it. He thinks it's some kind of hearing. I mean, what do you do with a concept that no one else has any words for? Hmm. And so uh, it's sort of this authoritarian kind of society, and he doesn't fit well into it. So consequences for his uniqueness.
1: Oh, that's so interesting. I can't imagine all the kind of scenarios that, you know, he's going to get into that he's going to have to deal with. And um, how does this, uh, you know, how does this resonate with people? You know, you've had a lot of people read the book, and they're checking it out. Um, what, What resonates for people as they read through the book?
2: Uh, a lot of the things, unfortunately, are major spoilers. <laughs> oh, okay. So okay. I think the the biggest things that will really resonate with people, I probably shouldn't tip my hand sure, on. Sure, sure. But uh, as we were talking about before, I do think it it gives voice to that feeling of you know I know what it feels like to be the the lone voice calling out in the wilderness saying, "Hey, you're all wrong. I know something you don't. I'm not crazy."
1: Well, talk about that for a second. What do you yeah. mean by that?
2: Um. Well, it's, it's like we were talking about before. You know, the book is dedicated to, uh, to everyone who's felt alone in knowing the truth.
1: Mm-hmm. And, and you're talking about your Christian faith, or what do you mean?
2: You know, that is part of it. Yeah. Um, but I think I'm talking about a lot of things. Um, it, it can be political issues. It can be, you know, a relationship you're trying to fix with somebody in your family. There's, there's been a number of times throughout my life that I've felt that way, and I think that's true for most people. Yeah. Yeah. Um, there's this thing that you, you know, you know you're not being stubborn, you know that it's the truth, and, and it just seems like no one wants to, to give that any airtime. Yeah, somebody's not,
1: connect, they're not connecting with that. Yeah. Uh, interesting. Okay, and then, um, what, you know, what gave you the idea for the book? It's such a unique concept. Uh, sure. Where did that come from?
2: There is an old saying, an old truism that says, in the land of the blind, the one-eyed man is king. And I just started wondering about that. Um, I think that uh, that's how a lot of writing starts, is you just kind of have a burning question that you can't get out of your head. And for me, I wondered, what is the bl- land of the blind? Why is there a land of the blind? How does that make any sense? What? How is a land of the blind different than our society today? How would that evolve and change and grow uh, without this, this basic part of the human experience? And so that was really interesting to me. And that kind of started building the world.
1: Yeah. And uh, do you know the origin of that saying? I mean, where does that come from as far as... Have yeah. you ever looked into the origin of that? That's, you know, I was
2: just curious. It's, it's funny. I actually, I really like uh, etymology and the origins of, of quotes and idioms, but mm-hmm. I actually don't know. I haven't looked into it. That's
1: interesting. Well, after yeah. the show, we'll have to do a follow-up. Huh? I guess so.
2: <laughs> okay, that's great.
1: And then, um, so, uh, you know, when I was in college, I, had to, I took a, a class at uh, UCSD on... Uh, it was called sensory... Was a psychology class on sensory, uh, basically your senses, hearing, mm-hmm. sight, and all. And basically, what they wanted us to do was they wanted us to understand, um, you know, how people use these things, but what it was also like not to have them. And I actually had to. In one of our assignments, was to go for a day with no sight. We had to actually mm. uh, act like we were blind and see what it was like. Wow. And so I ended up doing that for a full day. I had a friend that committed to guiding me around. And it was an in- interesting experience you know, to have that, yeah. but what did you have to do in order to really step into the shoes of um, you know, somebody in your book who actually has no sight and has no concept of what, yeah. it, what it's like to see things visibly?
2: I did a little bit of that, actually. Oh, you did? Okay. Um, yeah, I was, I was joking on another radio program a couple of weeks ago. Um, I, I wrote this book before the, the Bird Box came out, that Netflix movie, mm-hmm. but... Um, you know, they called it the bird box challenge, where you walk around with your eyes closed and you try to do everyday tasks. Oh, yeah, yeah. You know, so I was doing the, the bird box challenge back before it came out. But uh, same thing, you know, um, what's it like to to make your way up and down the stairs, you know, to cook something, to walk down the street with a cane. I tried using the cane a little bit. Yeah. Um,
1: Anything happened? Did you ever? Well,
2: uh, you know, a few $100,000 in property damage, yeah. <laughs> a couple of casualties. But uh, no, no, nothing, nothing major. I, I certainly didn't do it for an entire day. That's, that's yeah. amazing. But um, one, of my, one of my best sources of inspiration uh, for that side of things, for understanding the experience of someone who's not sighted, right, for someone who's blind, uh, is there's this guy named Tommy Edison. And I really want to be his friend. So I hope that he listens to your show somewhere <laughs> out there. Uh, But he's this great guy, really funny guy who was born blind from birth. Uh And I stumbled upon his YouTube channel called the Tommy Edison Experience. His buddy films him. And basically, people just send in questions and ask him what it's like to be blind. And so he spends entire episodes. What are dreams like for a blind person? How do you cook? Uh, What do you think about colors? Et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, it's like this gift from heaven dropped in my lap as I'm trying to write this book.
1: He, He just shares everything with you
2: shared everything well that's
1: super interesting so what are dreams like for a, a
2: blind man Did it's you, all your other senses is what he says These so it's smell and, and smell touch. and touch and and you know sound um everything you but know, no you know. um just uh what is it darkness or just darkness yeah. wow
1: that's unbelievable huh that's it's interesting pretty strange yeah it is
2: um especially because he is someone who is blind from birth so it can be different for someone who goes blind uh but yeah, he, because they have the memory of those yeah. things. Yeah, Yeah. but he is, has never seen. So was it tough
1: for you to write this book? Was it, was it uh, harder than normal uh, to be able to tackle all these different things?
2: It was. Uh, I loved this idea. I loved this idea, and I so badly wanted to get it right. Um, but at the beginning, I was so passionate about it that I thought to myself, I'm going to write this draft. in Yeah. That did not happen. <laughs> <laughs> uh, a rough draft for a novel you know not counting all the editing and the research and the planning etc uh, a rough draft usually takes me about three months Yeah. found out this took me a year just okay. for the rough draft just for the rough draft so yeah this was a difficult book for me.
1: yeah and that's was that because of all the research that had to be done and all the different angles you were coming from or just because it, you were getting into you know places that were hard to navigate in the storyline
2: you know I think it's even more fundamental than that yeah, um, I'm I'm a big fan of Tolkien's essays. Um, he has a wonderful uh, essay called "On Fairy Stories," where he is very philosophical, and he talks about something called subcreation. And we could go into this whole big thing, um, but I, I like to build a lot of my writing philosophy off of him. So that's you know credit where credit is due. Yeah, yeah. Um, so with the understanding of uh, subcreation, which is that all creativity is a reflection or an imitation of the grand act of creation. We can gain a lot in our own craft from looking at how God acts. So how did God create man? He formed him out of the dust of the earth, and he breathed into him the breath of life. So that's what good art is. It's structure. It's breath. Mm. Um, Good art, you have to understand the craft. You have to know how to structure it. And also you have to put a part of yourself in it. And we can see things that are all structure and things that are all breath. Yeah. Uh, It was a painful and difficult and strange process to put myself in this. um, if If I can be metaphorical that way. Yeah, yeah. Um, And it just took a lot of reflection and a lot of thinking and a lot of things were happening in my life.
1: That's cool. So uh, when we come back, I want to talk about that. You know, where are you in the book? And, um, you know, is there anything from your life that you've put in the book? So uh, stay with us. My guest today is Wes Fulkerson, For Whom the Sun Sings. is his book coming out on March 17th. You can uh, buy it on Amazon or wherever you can pre-order it. And a very, very interesting book. Uh, I love the, t- the tagline, the world is blind, then one boy is born with sight. And I just think, think it's a, a very interesting, um, you know, plot, unique plot that uh, just is uh, really, really cool. And I'm going to read this blurb for you too. Nestled in a mountain haven, the remaining people of the world live in a village that is ordinary, but strict. A severe peace must be kept, uh, a, a severe peace must be kept severely, as they say. It's all that keeps them from descending into the chaos that claimed the world 100 years ago. Led by the prophet Valdas and his regents, if I'm pronouncing that correctly, the villagers work, play, marry, and have families. They gather in ceremony once a year to celebrate their day of remembrance. Life is planned, precise, and predictable until the special abilities of an 11-year-old Andreas threaten to undermine it all. And that special ability is sight. So, okay, stay with us. We'll be right back. You're on Educate for Life Radio. Before
3: I bring my need, I will bring my heart.
0: Save money by taking good care of your car. Call Conover Tires Wheels and Service in Oceanside. Locally owned and operated since 1991 with all the brands you trust. See their great customer reviews and special offers at ConoverTires.com. Dan and his team are proud to support Educate for Life with Conover. They even sell affordable, reliable used cars and enclosed trailers. Conover Tires, 205 Oceanside Boulevard, 760-439-1631. You build your life on the rock. LG Equipment helps builders build on good soil. Luke Gibson's team at LG
2: Equipment is your local source for grading, demolition, hauling, and more. Learn about their bulk water
0: services from trucks to tankers to towers at rentwatertower.com. Get your questions answered. Call LG Equipment at 619-988-0924. Learn more at lgequipment.com. 619-988-0924.
3: Life insurance is like a parachute. If you don't have it when you need it, it's too late. When your family faces a challenge, you don't want to face liability because you're uninsured or underinsured decades have trusted jim kelly of kelly insurance agency and allstate to insure homes cars businesses and lives no matter where they live throughout california your family's needs are always changing call to schedule a checkup today call jim kelly and his team right now nine five six two ninety one ninety nine
1: Thanks for being here with us on this Friday afternoon. Uh, we're in Southern California. The weather's not real sunny like you would expect for Southern California. It's actually kind of rainy. And uh, we're in the midst of the uh, coronavirus situation. And uh, we're praying for all the people around the world that have been impacted by this. And we're praying for um, you know people to have wisdom, our leaders to have wisdom, President Trump to have wisdom on how to navigate this. And just in here in San Diego, we just had a closure of all the schools in all of San Diego County. And uh, it, it seems uh, sometimes I look at it and I think to myself, is this a really a rational response to this? Because I mean, we have six people who have uh, been pre, I guess, diagnosed with coronavirus here, and none of them go to the schools. But all our schools are shut down. But for better or worse, uh, our our leadership is doing the best they can, and we're just praying that God would give them wisdom and and uh, God would protect us. So uh, I was telling our listeners earlier, if you just popped in that. Uh, I kind of feel like we're in a, an apocalyptic novel of some sort, right? And uh, we actually have an author here who's a fantasy... Uh, yeah, what, the timing is what great here, right? Yeah, what are the odds, right? I planned this months ago. Uh, no, and I never have fantasy <laughs> fiction authors on. So I, the funny thing is is that uh, Wes is, was in my, the youth group when I was a youth pastor. How long ago was that? You're you're oh, tw- 28 now, so that had to be yeah, at I least... I was in
2: junior high.
1: So that would have been... Yeah, that was a long time ago. Yeah,
2: 14 years ago. Oh, my goodness. Probably more than that. She crazy. 16 years ago.
1: Yeah, and now you you are married. You have uh, the second kid on the way here, yeah. and that's pretty incredible. And I read in your bio that you you teach down in Point Loma, too.
2: Yeah, uh, San Diego Writers, Inc. Uh, has me out once or twice a month. And, uh-huh. You know, I, I teach some seminars on writing here and there. That's really cool. It's a lot of fun. I love to talk yeah. about writing. I want to write
1: a book, honestly, and so I'm actually really excited of this because when we're off the air, I'm if gonna, only you knew a guy. I'm going yeah, exactly. <laughs> if only I knew a guy, and, and I do so totally, totally. Yeah, uh, I can't just, I just can't get it together for some reason. But uh, anyway, maybe after this. So, um, so Wes, we were talking about, uh, you know, the book here. It's about a kid who's born in a com- community that has no sight, and um, we were talking about, you were talking about how important it is to breathe life into. The characters in the book and part of that involves basically taking yourself and, and in a sense putting yourself into the book can you expand on that and like where are you in this book as far as um are there any real life events that are incorporated into this you know the this, this story from your life
2: totally yeah i think that's part of learning to become a good writer is being able to put yourself in the shoes of the characters you know um <clears throat> i think it's quincy jones the uh famous music producer who said you know if your music moves you then it has a chance to move somebody else. And so I think it's the same thing with your writing. If, if you're not weeping when your characters are weeping, if you're not laughing at the jokes, if you're not devastated when they're devastated, then you're doing something wrong. you know. And so, yeah, I think it's absolutely necessary to, to really identify with the characters and the story um, and, and put a piece of your heart in it. But as you said, uh, some real-life things can, can factor into that as well. Um, a couple of crazy things have happened to me over the years. And I was talking to my wife, actually, about some things that may have factored into the plot yeah. that I didn't think about at the time, because it's not usually a conscious process.
1: Right? Okay, okay. Um, well, for some writers, it seems like it is, right? But I guess for some, not. But.
2: Well, I mean, the, the plot is certainly conscious, but in terms of where we get ideas and inspiration from, yeah. you know, it's, you sort of got to track that down sometimes. Uh, like you're mentioning that C.S. Lewis quote. Mm-hmm. I read that book years ago. You know, that, that probably had, had some effect on this Yeah, yeah. trickling down the but line. But you lose you know? sight of
1: that over time, yeah. Totally, totally. Yeah.
2: But uh, we we're trying to track down maybe where a couple of scenes came from. And uh, there's one scene in particular that we we're thinking about where the entire community all at once at the flip of a switch, without giving anything away, just experiences mass pain. Mass pain. And I was able to write about that, right? And so we were thinking, where could that have come from? And I realized that probably came from 2012 when I was running with the bulls in
1: Pamplona. How did you end up doing that? Is uh, that like on your bucket list?
2: Kinda, yeah. <laughs> I uh, I just graduated from college. I uh, wanted to do sort of a some kind of ritual entrance into the real world, you know, and uh, some manly, awesome thing. And uh, yeah, I, I spent a month in Europe with my buddy, and we made sure we'd be in Pamplona at the right time. And I did the running. What was that like? It was like mass panic, Kevin. <laughs> 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 Truly. Um, it's interesting because they tell you when you're going to do the running of the bulls, yeah. you need to be sober. You need to be well-rested. <laughs> yeah. You need to be in good shape. You need to know the course. Most people who participate are none of those things. Oh my goodness. All right. So I, I got there at six in the morning. You know, I'm ready. I'm bouncing my toes. I'm very serious. Most people had not gone to bed. Okay. <laughs> very inebriated individuals, laughing, joking, having a great time. And all of a sudden, you hear an actual cannon shot. Cannon rings out into the misty morning. Everyone turns and looks down this long cobblestone street, and you realize there's no way out. I mean, there are no fences to jump over. These are old time streets, right? And all of a sudden, everyone is quiet until you start to hear the pattering hooves, and it gets louder. And all of a sudden, were you
1: thinking? Were you thinking like? okay, I don't want to do this now, or was that going through your Or were you like, no, I'm just going to do- go for this?
2: I think that if you're questioning your motivations at that point, <laughs> your, your thought process is in the wrong place. Yeah. You need to think, here I am, let's get I through it. I better this. run. Exactly, yeah. No, I was, I was excited to do it once. Actually, I was relieved when it started. I thought I would put all my stress and planning at the beginning and then have a good time once it was there, but that's not how it was for most people panicked like i'd never seen people were pulling other people down throwing them down i had to knock people off of me trying to grab me throw me down people get trampled you know and um so you just figured hey man i'm gonna do this and this will be great for a book later on <laughs> <laughs> it's not what i was thinking yeah. <laughs> but uh, turns out it was you know yeah. because when i got to that scene in my book I, I know how to write
1: about that so you made it out without any uh broken bones or anything
2: yeah, I did. I, I wasn't injured. There there was a large group that just felt like dominoes in front of me. And that's a big thing. You don't want to get off of your feet. Yeah. Um, a lot of people don't know. It's not one bull. It's 14 bulls. Oh, okay. Um, and uh, I was the first person in that domino to not fall. So I was able to keep my feet. And um it's it's kind of interesting though. You know, there certainly are a lot of injuries, but yeah, there had only been something like eleven deaths in the entire hundred year history they'd been doing it. Oh, that's good to know. There was one the day I ran. Oh, my goodness. I saw them carry the guy out. He got gored. Wow. Um, really, really crazy. So how about you? Did you touch any of the bulls? I'm trying to think. I, I don't think I touched one of the bulls. One was running about this far from me. Yeah. So maybe I should have. But uh, <laughs> I, I was content to run alongside yeah. him. <laughs> yeah. That's
1: awesome. And what else? There's one other experience, too, that you wrote down here that um, you ended up uh, crashing, right? <laughs>
2: <Yeah>. <laughs> There's another one. So, uh, a big, a big part of, uh, part of the emotional reality of the climax, let's say, is the main character, Andreas, just has this feeling of impending. It's that moment when you know all is lost and you think, how am I here? Mm -hmm. How is this really real life? I cannot imagine something this awful, right? Where it just seems surreal, but it's right there in front of you. Yeah, yeah. Uh, something so awful. So, I think the reason why I was able to write about that and that feeling specifically was, um actually about the same time as running with the bulls about a year after that uh i was driving my car i was stopped at a stoplight and the light turned green so i went halfway into the intersection i realized that i had seen the other light turn green out of the corner of my eye and uh somebody was already going you know probably 45 miles an hour and their light was green they weren't stopped so i got t-boned really hard and uh Deflected, I guess we could say, into a head on collision with a very surprised police officer uh, waiting in his police car. Oh my goodness. Uh, on the other side at a red light. So, uh, in front of a police station, by the way, literally in front of a police station. Perfect. So the cops were on the scene within moments. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but just in that moment, you know, my car was filling with smoke. If, if there had been a passenger, they would have died. I mean, my car was totaled, bent in, you know, very far. And just sitting there. Were you
1: and Rita dating yet?
2: Uh, No, not yet. No. Actually, that was. Well, that's good. Yeah, so it was a while ago. <laughs> but um, yeah, just sitting there with my hands on the wheel and smoke filling the car. It was this moment of. Oh no! Yeah, this is real life, and and that feeling goes into the book, you know, in the right place. So. Yeah,
1: so life experiences really do actually help out as far as being able to incorporate that too. Yeah, as far as being able to fill it with emotion and passion and all those sorts of things.
2: Well, and I think we need to have eyes to see it. You know, a lot of times uh, people say, "Oh, so do you go and run after experiences?" I don't even think that's necessary. I mean, mm-hmm. live an interesting life, but yeah, I think we need to learn to see the magic and what happens around us, and and.
1: And there's so many cool opportunities like that, too, because like you said, this fellow online who's already talking about all his life being blind and
2: everything. Let he was not head on collisioned a cop car cast the first. There you go. (laughs) That's
1: funny. Well, that's awesome. So, um, you know, you've written already written 11 books. I mean, you're doing a lot. That's pretty incredible. And you're involved in screenwriting, too. So that's really cool. So what's coming up next? What kind of other stuff do you have planned that you're thinking about doing and, sure. and uh, getting out there? And, and also, I'm really curious to hear what, you know, there's a lot of people that are listening that want, would love to be an author. They'd mm-hmm. love to get into screenwriting. They'd love to get into those things. So I want to hear from you as far as, you know, maybe some, uh, a little bit of advice for people who are listening about, hey, how do you get down this track? Because, um, I mean, that's a lot of books, 11 books, and you're only 28 years old. So you're, you're doing really well. So when we come back, my guest is Wesley Fulkerson, and uh, he's coming out with a book, For Whom the Sun Sings. It's March 17th, right around the corner here. You can pre-order on Amazon if you want to check it out. And uh, do you have any kind of personal website that people can follow you if they want to follow you or uh, stay in touch?
2: It's we do. It's wafulkerson.com. We've got a mailing list there, and also you can follow me on Instagram, at wafulkerson.
1: Okay, awesome. Okay, well, stay with us. We're going to be right back, and we'll continue talking about uh, this new book that he's coming out with, and also maybe give you some advice and tips and tricks on on writing and uh, how you can get started if different to, you know, We'll be right back. You
0: to
2: Gibson of lg equipment supports educate for life with kevin conover
0: luke grew up in the construction industry and now serves lg's commercial and residential customers throughout southern california whether you need grading paving hauling demolition on-site
2: bulk water service water trucks tankers and towers call lg equipment at 619-998-0924 learn more at lgequipment.com 619-998-0924
3: Life insurance is like a parachute. If you don't have it when you need it, it's too late. When your family faces a challenge, you don't wanna face liability because you're uninsured or underinsured. Decades of San Diegans have trusted Jim Kelly of Kelly Insurance Agency and Allstate to insure homes, cars, businesses, and lives, no matter where they live throughout California. Your family's needs are always changing. Call to schedule a checkup today. Call Jim Kelly and his team right now. 619-562-9199.
1: Hey, welcome back to Educate for Life Radio. I'm your host, Kevin Conover, and we're down here in Southern California on K Praise 12 10 a.m. We're also in North County, and uh, you can check us out on YouTube, too. Our uh, YouTube channels, Educate for Life Video. Uh, I'm sorry, youtube.com forward slash Educate for Life Video. And uh, you can also check us up out on Facebook. We're all over the place. Got tons of shows up there with people from all over the world. Uh, we have scientists, uh, one of the top 50 scientists in the world. A fantastic interview with him. Uh, video with uh, Natasha Crane coming up. Just interviewed Greg, uh, Greg Kokel just a little bit ago talking about the 10-year anniversary of his book, uh, Tactics for Sharing Your Faith. And my guest today is uh, Wesley Fulkerson, and he uh, came out with a book, For Whom the Sun Sings. And uh, it's a book just talking about what it's like to uh, know something that so many other people don't necessarily know and uh, just step into the shoes of someone who can see when everybody else is blind. I think that's an incredibly uh, powerful metaphor. Uh, Wafulkerson.com, you can check him out there if you want to follow him and you can get the book on Amazon, uh, pre-order it, coming out March 17th. So check it out. It should be really cool. And um, Wes, so uh, for anybody out there who's listening, who's interested in learning to write and everything like that, what kind of, a, what kind of advice and guidance would you give them uh, as, you know, as far as that is concerned?
2: Yeah, you know, it's a great question. Uh, and that's one of the biggest things about wanting to learn how to write is ask questions. I think One of the biggest things we need to know about writing is uh, we need to know how to be humble. Um, Everyone tends to think that they're better than they are at the beginning. Talent only carries you so far. Mm. And the thing about writing is, uh, and art in general, is it's not just self-expression. There are rules. There is a craft. And so the biggest thing I would say to people is learn the craft. You know, the first book you should probably pick up is Poetics by Aristotle. And from there, you can get into some of the more modern writers, but there's all these Fabulous writers throughout history who have written about the craft, and you ought to study that.
1: And uh, go into that a little bit. Like, what what does the craft of writing entail? Like, what do you when you say study the craft? I mean, yeah. Um, and, and you say there are rules, and there are these things. Um, give give me a few of those that that you're thinking about. That people, sure. A writer starts out and they they break all the rules. They go off the trails, yeah. and you're kind of like, whoa! You need to go back and study the craft. Absolutely. So what what are you talking about? What kind of rules do people break that, for you now, is like. No,
2: don't ever do that. Uh, Well, you know, I think at the heart of it, it's sort of almost psychology. Mm. So people accept information in a particular way. Um, Things affect people in a particular way. Yeah. And so in the craft of writing, we have these certain, we call them beats, which is like types of plot points that need to happen to take one example. And generally, a sort of order that happens in, I mean, it's, it's not that tight of a formulaic sort of thing, Yeah. but it's sort of like uh, if your wife is really angry, right? Because you forgot. My wife never gets angry at never, me. Never. No. Yeah. If Robert's wife is really angry. <laughs> her, uh, but really, suppo- suppose you forgot her anniversary or something, right? And, uh, and you walk in and you say, hey, uh, I think that we should go and buy this big screen TV that I want that you've expressed many times that you don't want. How's that going to go, right? Um, I see what you're saying. Probably not. What? Not well. <laughs> no, I, I That see conversation's what... not going to go well, right? Yeah, no, it's not going to go well, yeah. And so it's the same thing with storytelling. If, if you want someone to feel strongly about your character, if you haven't primed them the right way, it's not going to work, mm. right? Um, people don't feel strongly about something just because you tell them to. Mm-hmm. And so part of mastering the craft of writing is you learn what things affect people and in what way. Um, so that your payoffs are payoffs and yeah. not just another piece of information, so that
1: people can actually identify with what you're writing. Yes, yeah, and I think that's that's it for me. When I when I'm reading a really good book, yeah. I I can really uh, hear what's going on in the character's mind and their heart, and I can really identify with it. And I go, oh yeah, that totally makes sense. Absolutely. Whereas otherwise, you're you're reading it and you're like.
2: Nobody would ever think that.
1: What are you talking about? Yeah. Like, nobody would ever do that. <laughs> well, in moments,
2: too. You know, a lot of the great writers will tell you it's all about finding these big impactful moments and organizing your story, around right? Mm. Um, but I can tell you right now. I'll tell you a story. Do You want to weep? No. Um, no,
1: but the way you said that really, like, drew me in. I, <laughs> well, that, I wanted that to know right bit. away. Yeah, more of a beginning.
2: <laughs> but, uh, you know, those two words can make someone weep. Yeah. In the right context. Yeah. And so that's a lot of the craft of writing is learning where things go. Learning how someone's going to respond, understanding the minds that you're interacting with Mm -hmm. when they read your story.
1: So, what's your future dream here? As far as um, I know, you're you know in your bio you talk about screenwriting and everything like that. Which do you enjoy more? Do you enjoy more uh, the screenwriting aspect? You want to get into the movie aspect? I've actually had uh, you know John Irwin on here from. um, Hey, I don't know if you know who he is. uh, I do actually. Um, uh, Wrote the book, or uh, him and his brother direct the movies. I
2: almost worked for him one time. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. I was living up in LA and I was working for a company called Arbella Studios. Uh huh. I guess technically I worked for him for a little while. Yeah. Uh, they contracted us out to do a documentary for them. Oh, okay. And um, like most projects uh, in the film world, uh, right before we got to shooting, it ended up getting pulled for budget reasons. Oh, no. But um, yeah, I haven't met him in person, but uh, yeah. Almost. You know, okay. Well. Months.
1: Uh, so, so what do you think? I mean, are you, do you favor uh, movies or do you favor books
2: or, or is it just... You know, people ask me that a lot and they're different yeah. for me. Um, the thing that I love about a novel is until you get to the editing, until you get to the publishing, et cetera, et cetera, it's a pretty solitary experience. Um, I'm the only one putting words on paper mm. and I am crafting this thing myself. And that's what I love about it. And with film... It's the opposite. And in a different sort of way, that's what I love about it too. Film is this beautiful chain of inspiration. You know, um, as the writer, you're not always the one who comes up with the idea. So somebody comes up with an idea and the writer says, I'm so inspired. You write a script, the director says, I'm so inspired. You know, they they add their magic. The casting director says, I'm so inspired, they add their magic, the actors all the way down the line. Mm. So it's different. And you hold on to it a little bit differently because you, you can't make a movie like this the way that Honestly, you can with a novel. Yeah. So it it sort of just feeds different parts of my personality. I think. Yeah, yeah. So you enjoy both. Yeah.
1: So you know, um, one of the things that you always hear people complain about is they they say you know when you when you have a book and then you try to turn it into a movie, you know it gets squished down yeah. and uh, you lose all these things, right? Lord of the Rings for me, I was just like, wait a second, this is sure. so different, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, does that play into? You know, do you think it's a good idea to make a a movie from a book or do you think, uh, you know, that that really kind of messes up the book or I mean, do you have thoughts about that? What are your feelings? Do you ever get does it ever bother you when you watch a movie that's from a book and then it loses all that information or how do you feel about that?
2: Uh, I would say rarely. Um, And part of the reason I think is because I peeked behind the curtain a little bit. Mm -hmm. Um, I have a little bit of experience with adaptation. Yeah. Um, so there have been movies where I think, oh my gosh, they ruined this book, right? Yeah. Most of the time I don't feel that way. Yeah. The book is always better, but stop and think about it. How long does it take you to read the novel? I mean, if it's a long book, a big thick fantasy novel, do you spend twelve hours, sixteen hours reading it? Yeah. Well you get ninety minutes in a movie. Yeah. I mean, if it's an epic, you get three hours. And so it's a different medium. Yeah. And so what's difficult is a lot of times the fans want the same experience, but you can't give that. You don't yeah. have time. And if you try, it's bad. Um, I can think of movies that I've tried, and it's just like a list of plot points, yeah, and it's no yeah, good. Yeah. So that's the funny thing about adaptations is you have to take the spirit of the work and a couple of the big moments and put it together differently if you want it to be. good. Yeah. Um, and so that's the funny thing about Lord of the Rings, for example. It, you know, for diehard fans like us, we can definitely remember some of the big scenes yeah, you know, that yeah. weren't there. Some characters. Where's Tom Bombadil? Yeah, that was the big one. <laughs> yeah. But, um, you know, still excellent movies, you know, yeah. when we step back. So yeah. um, it's an art.
1: So uh, just out of curiosity, you know, your book that's coming out here, For Whom the Sun Sings, do you think that would make a good movie ad- uh, adaptation to, to turn that
2: into a movie? I hope so. My agent wants me to, uh, to write an adaptation. So we'll see where that goes. I think there are a couple of unique challenges uh, with what the story's about. Yeah. But, um, I don't know, I'm excited, hopefully. Yeah, I mean, it's such a unique uh,
1: idea and, and story yeah. that I think uh, just, I mean, I, I'm no expert, but just off the cuff, it sounds like it'd be a very interesting movie too. Yeah. Um, because it's it'd just be really interesting to see the whole thing play out, you know? Yeah, well, yeah.
2: I hope we get the chance to make it. And, and like I said, that's what's fun about uh, screenwriting and making movies is it is that chain of inspiration. Yeah. So I wonder what the other people who theoretically would work on it would add to it.
1: Fantastic. Well, Wes, uh, we're out of time here, man, but thanks a lot for being on the program. I really appreciate it. It's been a pleasure. Yeah, it's been a lot of fun. Oh, and I meant to ask you, you know, um, did you incorporate any, you, you are a wrestler, jujitsu guy. Mm-hmm. Did you ever incorporate any of that into the book?
2: You know what's funny? In most of my other books, it finds its way in. Yeah. In this one,
1: not so much. No. Not so much. Okay. <laughs> but, uh, just thought I'd ask. That was one of the questions <laughs> I wanted to get in there before we, yeah, yeah. we wrapped it up. Okay, so you can check him out, uh, wafulkerson.com. If you want to follow him, he's also on Instagram. And uh, the book comes out March 17th. Pick it up. Check it out. I think you'll love it. And uh, wave goodbye. See ya. Okay, stay safe. Stay healthy. Uh, Be in prayer. We don't want the coronavirus to spread anymore. And uh, just pray for our leadership. Okay, we'll see you next week. Take care.
0: Did you miss part of today's program? Don't worry, we're committed to helping you get the info you need. Okay, that was dumb. But for real, visit educateforlife.com for podcast and video recordings of the show and to sign up for the School of Unshakable Faith. Leave us your comments, compliments, questions, or concerns at 800 243